as soon as I'm done here, I'll have to run over to the, the Cantonese. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm John Carrick, uh, lead minister of this wonderful church, St. Thomas's. Great to see um, visitors with us here today. Uh, big welcome to you. I can see uh, Scott and Sophie have probably got their parents with them. So big welcome to you and congratulations on being grandparents. Great to see Will and Hannah joining us again, uh, being in the Northern Territory for some time. Great to be with you all. Special welcome to my son as well, who's joined us. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage that we've heard today and for what it reveals about you, for your character that we see in Jesus Christ. Please help me to speak and please cause our hearts uh, to be filled with the knowledge of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. I love this passage. I grew up in um, the outer suburbs of Melbourne, a place called West Meadows. If you don't know where that is, it's very close to Tullamarine. West Meadows is west of Broadmeadows. Some of you would have heard of Broadie, the Broadie boys. Um, it's a, a rough and proudly working class area. The kids in my local area, the ones that I wanted to hang out with and aspired to be like, they all rode BMX bikes. They could do stunts. They were always hanging around the local shops. They were always out and about. They were the rough, cool kids of the area. They were always out. I couldn't have been more different from these kids. I rode an old green 10-speed racer, not a BMX. Couldn't do any stunts. I had to be home at certain times. I wasn't always allowed to hang around. And any roughness that I displayed was mere bravado. But I always wanted to be part of that group, that in-group. Yet I never felt like I truly was, as much as I tried to convince myself. I was always on the outside. Um, there were always certain members within that group that I could tell just by their tone. It said it all. I really wasn't part of that group. Question. Have you ever felt like being an outsider? Have you ever felt like you are really actually on the outs? When I studied this passage, this gospel passage, many years ago, I was reminded of how I felt as that young teenager wanting to be part of a group. When I considered Bartimaeus in this passage, I'm just going to call him Bart for now on. Bart is an outsider. He's not part of any in-group at all. He's simply a blind beggar. And something that stands out in this passage is the way that people speak to Bart. Everyone feels at liberty to tell Bart what to do. That's the way they speak to him. Let's look at the first way they do that. The first way they tell Bart what to do, here's the story. Bart's just sitting by the roadside. He hears that Jesus is coming, and at this point, he loses any sense of social decorum because he starts yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's creating quite a kind of scene. It sort of reminds me of those sort of press conferences or when some royal dignitary or someone really important comes by and there's some 
weirdo in the back that's yelling out and all of a sudden you see like secret service agents just kind of usher them away. That's what it reminds me of. Bart is, is carrying on and the crowd, what do they do in this? Well, they don't usher him forward. They effectively tell him to shut up. Or the way the NRSV puts it is, many sternly ordered him to be quiet. They told him to shut up. Why? In their minds, Bart is insignificant. He doesn't matter. He's at the bottom of the pecking order. But they see Jesus, this esteemed rabbi. Crowds are following. Jesus is up here. He is very important. So in their thinking, why would Jesus want anything to do with Bart? Why would, they want him, why would he want to see Bart? And so the, the crowd is quite happy to be the gatekeepers to who comes before Jesus and who doesn't. And this uncouth, blind beggar with no social decorum doesn't cut it. We all understand there's a pecking order, don't we? There's a hierarchy. And it's really apparent in Jesus' time here. Now, it's really interesting. I think in chapter 10, it's, it's, it seems to be all about who comes before Jesus and who doesn't. Who cuts the mustard, who doesn't? If you go back to verse 17, you'll read about a very rich person, a rich man who runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees. And um, you could ask, well, where's the gatekeepers there? There's not a sense of anyone stopping that rich man from coming up to Jesus. It's, it's almost like the red carpet has been rolled out. Because in everyone's mind, he is a perfect recruit. This is the type of person that we want as a disciple. Of course Jesus will want to interact with this guy. What an excellent disciple. No one thinks that about Bart. Again, in this passage... There's the children that are brought before Jesus. And there, it's the disciples that act as gatekeepers, dissuading the parents, don't bring the kids. Sorry, Jesus hasn't got time for kids. And they're probably thinking that, you know, Jesus is he's on his way to Jerusalem. He doesn't have time for that. Children have no status. Bart has no status. Well, that's Bart. His only status is that of a blind beggar. He's the type of person that everyone tells what to do. He's at the bottom of the pecking order. But things are about to change in a really big way for Bart. Now, back to my story um, when I was around about 13 years old. This uh, cool guy kind of moved into the area. He was 18. He was from New Zealand. He was Maori. He wore a black leather jacket, some very cool shades, everything that I would kind of look up to being in West Meadows at that time. And he happened to shift very close to a friend of mine in the neighborhood. So I got to know him. And uh, I was kind of hanging out with him for a while. I couldn't believe it, you know, this cool Maori dude. And one day we were going down the shops and he gave me a piggyback ride. And uh, lo and behold, we, we're getting to the shops and there's the BMX bandits. My friends, or the people that I wanted to be friends, they're all hanging out at the shop and they see this big Maori dude walking with me on his back. 
And all of a sudden, their whole kind of attitude towards me was completely different to anything I had experienced before. Remember I spoke about their tone? Well, all of a sudden, it was like, hey, John, how's it going? Come over here. What's happening? You know, and, and it was like I was included. And what that big, cool Maori dude did for me was kind of lifted me up a little bit in the, the social scale at that time. And uh, these kids, they saw, you know, someone that they looked up to willing to spend time with me. Now, what I experienced there, I think, was a little like what Bart experienced in this passage. His whole social standing is about to dramatically change because of Jesus Christ. Bart is crying out to Jesus. Everyone is telling him to shut up, to be quiet. But Jesus stops, takes notice of him. Now, I've said before, everyone is happy to tell Bart what to do, but now Jesus chimes in, and he tells the crowd what to do. Call him here. There's a chain of command we all understand, don't we? The person at the very top can command everyone beneath them to do whatever they want, and then it keeps going down. And in this passage, it's like Jesus is at the top, and he tells the crowd what to do. The crowd has always felt at liberty to tell Bart what to do. But Jesus says to the crowd, call him to me. He doesn't issue the command to Bart at all, but to the crowd. He lifts Bart up. Now these people, they go to get Bart, and they say to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Uh, I wonder what their tone was like when they said take heart, or at least that's the translation there. I would translate it quite differently. I reckon they went up to him and they said, settle down, get up, he's calling you. I think that's their tone. Because I don't think their attitude has really changed towards this blind beggar. I used to know a couple of kids that would sometimes fight and, um, and you know, one would hurt the other and you'd say, okay, you've got to say sorry uh, to me, I mean, to, to the other. And, um, and reluctantly, one child would go, Sorry, you know, <laughs> grumble it out. Uh, the word meant sorry, but the manner behind it, anything but sorry. I mean, it's, it's human nature, isn't it? When people are all of a sudden forced to, to change uh, how they were acting. I think the crowd's attitude hasn't changed towards Bart. They're telling him to settle down. Get up, he's calling you. And here's how the crowd just keeps speaking to Bart. Each time they speak to Bart, they use what is technically called imperatives. They've told him to shut up. They tell him to settle down. They tell him to get up. And there's no hint in the passage. Remember, we're dealing with a blind person here. There's no hint of them helping him up or directing him to Jesus. It merely says that Bart got up himself. Bart, somehow he comes before Jesus. And here Bart hears a sentence addressed to him 
which he has seldom ever heard, let alone from anyone of importance. What do you want me to do for you? That's amazing. To Bart, to the person that everyone feels at liberty to tell him what to do. Get out of the way, Bart. Be quiet, Bart. Go over there, Bart. What do you want me to do for you? Everyone talks down to Bart except Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? What a question. Jesus becomes the servant of this lowly, blind beggar. It should come as no surprise because if you read this passage, the, 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 kind of the passage just prior to this one, Jesus, classic Jesus, is teaching. James and John have come before him and they've asked for a special place, the place of highest honour when Jesus enters his glory. How does Jesus respond to that? In verse 42, if you've got a Bible open then in chapter 10, you can follow along. Jesus says, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them, chain of command, but it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all, for the Son of Man, speaking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That was Jesus' teaching, classic Jesus. And we see in this current passage, Jesus acting out his very teaching. He has come, no one is too low for Jesus to serve. The lowest common denominator, Jesus will, Jesus will stop and say, call him, call her. No one's too low, not even blind Bartimaeus. What Jesus does here in his teaching prior, of course, points all the way to the cross. Jesus has come to serve each of us where he died for our sins to redeem us. There is no one too low, no one so lost that Christ has not come to find. And if you cry, Jesus, have mercy on me, you can be assured he stops, he hears, he responds. Well, that's one application. I want to run through a few more based on this passage. First is, I would say, be like Bart in this passage. And you might say, well, how, in what way? Well, number one, in calling out to Christ for mercy. Two, in putting hope in Jesus Christ. What really stands out about Bart in this passage is his persistence. The crowd feels at liberty to tell him to shut up, but it says that he cried out all the more. How would you or I go? Crying out and having a crowd tell you to shut up. That's a lot of pressure to conform, but he doesn't conform to that. His blindness 
Even in his blindness, he is fixed on Jesus. Do you ever feel like Bart? Do you ever feel like Bart in prayer? Crying out in prayer to God? Feeling like there's nothing coming back other than telling you to shut up. It's useless. What's the point of prayer? Be like Bart. Keep crying out. Keep crying out. Jesus does hear. Christ responds. It won't be long. Our world can be not dissimilar to the crowd in this passage. In many and various ways, the world around us will be telling us there's no hope in Christ, not for you, you're too lost, it's a pipe dream, this isn't true. It comes through in various ways. Be like Bart, persistent in crying out to Jesus. What made Bart so persistent? Bart gets it. He understands who Jesus is. He's the only one in Mark's gospel that calls out Jesus, son of David. Now that's a long-handed way of saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the promised one from the scriptures, the Old Testament. I know who you are. He is fixed on who Christ is. That's what makes him persistent. Bart gets it. Now, we're only introduced to Bart in the passage right here. We don't know where his faith come from. One thing we can be assured of, it wasn't a miracle he had seen. He doesn't subscribe to seeing as believing. Potentially, all he has done is he's heard about Jesus and he's put two and two together. He's understood Jesus fits the profile of the Messiah in the Old Testament. Now we heard one of those profiles from Isaiah 42 about God leading his people, giving sight to the blind, a bruised reed not breaking, a smoldering wick not snuffing out. He sees, he understands who Jesus is, fits the profile of the Old Testament. Or maybe he's heard Jesus speaking for himself and faith has been stirred in his heart. He gets it. Jesus is the Messiah. That's what makes him persistent. Be like Bart. Follow Jesus. I love the way the story ends. It just says, you know, Bart followed Jesus in the way. I think that in the original, um, what's it say? Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him in the way. And that's just a, that's kind of a way of saying he, he became his disciple. He followed Christ. From then on, he was Jesus' disciple. It's beautiful. Second point of application is become like Jesus. Seek to be like Christ. A person who is willing to associate with anyone, even the lowest common denominator. No one is too low for Jesus. Now, I love the way Jesus treats Bart with dignity when no one else will. Be like Jesus, willing to associate with people of low status, people who are excluded. Show friendship to those who seem to have no friends. Greet people who are ignored. 
Treat with kindness those who are treated with contempt. Pecking orders are everywhere, aren't they? They're in our schools, they're in our universities, in our workplaces, in social media, even in churches. Be someone that makes a difference in someone else's life. I remember when I worked in the hotel uh, hospitality industry, there was one guy on staff that kind of no one liked. He was always the outsider. And I kind of was along with the crowd in that. But then when Christ was making a difference in my life and I was coming back to faith in him, I was convicted about how I was treating this guy. And I just decided, oh, I'm just going to talk to him and involve him in conversations. Um, something I never really did before and something no one else did. And it was noticed. Someone even came up to me and said, what's this alliance you've got going? You know, <laughs> weird. But I wanted to be like Christ because he comes down to our level and includes us. That's how we can be like Christ. First of all, we've got to see that Christ, what he has done for us, because that's what fills us with his love in order to make a difference to those around us. And we're all like that. I like the, the kid's song, how it says, you know, we all sat by the road. It's acknowledging that actually we're like Bart. We are like Bart. When it comes to, in comparison to Christ, we are blind beggars. Our sin makes us blind. It clouds our judgment. It makes us see only our point of view, thinking we're always right. David says in, in um, Psalm 40, my sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. Our sinfulness reduces our spirituality. We are in need of God's mercy. And what Christ has done for Bart physically, he does for us spiritually when we cry out to him for mercy. Jesus says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know that? We all need to know that afresh as Christians and we'll be having communion later on in the service. Remind yourself as you take communion, Jesus Christ laid down his life for me as a ransom. He has come and served me when I was at my lowest. Think about that until you get a fresh revelation of God's love for you. That's the love that makes a difference in this world. That's the love that will meet with the lowly and raise them up. Amen.